Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Well, risk, it is a four-letter word for many in the social sector and the nonprofit world. I mean, inadequate planning for risk has derailed many social impact projects and shut down creative initiatives set up to really move nonprofits forward. So today, we want to talk about how the social sector can keep impact on track in an unpredictable world. Fast and flexible funding can certainly be part of the solution. And my guest today is Carolyn Brissan. She's the Director of Social Investments for Open Road Alliance. Open Road Alliance is a philanthropic initiative and offers fast funding to nonprofits and social enterprises facing unexpected roadblocks. It made its first grant in 2012 and now offers loans as well. Carolyn, it's great to have you on the show and you're calling in from Washington, D.C., I understand. That's right. Thanks for having me, Rob. Oh, it's great to have on the show. Absolutely. So, Caroline, tell us more about the creation of Open Road Alliance and why was it started? Sure. Um, so, I always like to say that Open Road is a bit of an odd duck. Um, we were founded in 2012 by Lori Michaels, who is a private individual that had been making grants in, uh, on her own for a while, but didn't have any kind of sector or geography passion. Um, what she had heard from a couple of her friends that were also involved in philanthropy were these stories of things not quite working out the way they'd hoped. Um, and actually, one story in particular was of a foundation that had made a grant to purchase medical equipment for a women's hospital in Kenya, uh, just a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment that obviously could go a long way in a, in a rural hospital in Kenya. Um, and that that medical equipment actually sat on a pallet in Atlanta for four months because the foundation forgot to budget for the excise tax. Um, and because of the way their policies were written, they couldn't figure out a way to get that money out quickly enough to move those goods um, uh, out of the U.S. Um, so Lori said somebody should do something about that. And, of course, her friend challenged her right back to, to do it herself. Um, and so that's really our, our genesis story uh, of how Open Road came about. Love it. That's very interesting. So what Open Road Alliance provides is really impressive, actually. In fact, just recently, you've announced that a new fund called the Open Road Adventures, or sorry, the Open Road Ventures. It's a new loan fund, and it just topped $10 million in loans and expects to disperse at least $50 million over five years. Um, the speed at which this milestone was reached really is a testament to the demand for more flexible and creative funding models, especially to scale social entrepreneurship and keep impact on track. So how has this impacted your work so far among nonprofits seeking funding? Sure. Um, and so maybe just backing up one step, I'll say, um, after we started making our, our first grants in, in 2012, um, we're providing these fast, flexible, contingency funding uh, to keep these projects on track. Uh, we actually did a little research ourselves because we kept running into these issues. And we found out that one in five projects run into additional funding needs. So as a nonprofit, you write a grant budget to your foundation. You say, we're going to spend this to the dollar. Uh, of course, the world is unpredictable and sometimes 
you know, if you're building a house, for example, the cost of building materials go up and you need a little extra cash. Um, so we found that the, the rest of the philanthropic sector was somewhat unflexible, and that was really where our grant funding made the biggest bang for our buck, if you will. Um, fast forward to loans, um, and um, there were a few instances where the roadblocks that we were solving for, uh, we looked at them and, and saw that actually a loan would be a better solution than a one-time charitable grant. Um, so, uh, for example, if there's a delayed disbursement from your main funder, uh, the money's coming. It's just not coming when you need it. And so we could give a low-interest loan um, today so that the work could get started on day zero instead of day 90, and then we could be paid back when um, when that foundation money comes in. Uh, so that was really the thought behind Open Road Ventures. It's just a small little niche of, of these timing delays where – uh, providing this fast loan could really help maximize for impact. Um, and I will say that um, we make loans both both to nonprofits and for-profit social enterprises. So I know impact investing is all the rage these days, um, and some of these loans are going to social enterprises um, because the social sector, both on the nonprofit and for-profit side, is just not as efficient as mainstream financial markets. So we keep seeing all these little gaps where getting fast money to these projects, again, is really keeping impact on track. Um, so for nonprofits, kind of the big value that we've seen is that uh, it really helps to smooth out cash flows. Sometimes it extends payment timelines. And I guess lastly, it builds their credit history. Um, I saw this crazy graph uh, a couple of years ago, post-financial crisis, of how U.S. banks have completely pulled out of the market of loans under a million dollars. And so when you think about your small nonprofit, there really isn't a place that nonprofits can go to access financing like a business. Um, and I think that's holding a lot of nonprofits back from being able to grow. Very interesting there. And so how does this work? I mean, walk us through what a nonprofit would have to go through in order to receive funding from Open Road. Yep. Um, so uh, we have no sector geography focus. We're really just looking to solve whatever problem comes up quickly. Um, because we don't have any of, of those kind of sector geography traditional focuses, um, we have four criteria that we kind of live and die on that um, the situation has to fit all four criteria to be eligible for our funding. Uh, the first criteria is mid-implementation, and basically what that says is the project has to be fully funded and then something external happens. Um, so we often say we don't do kind of thermometer-style fundraising. Um, it's more after the project is going, something happens that requires additional funds. The second criteria is our unexpected criteria. We are funding those OMG situations where something external is happening to the organization that's outside of our control or their control. Um, and this is really important, these first two criteria, because it allows us to move really quickly. Um, another funder has already kicked the tires on the project, um, and there wasn't anything that kind of the management did wrong where we need to do deeper due diligence. Um, so I'll, I'll say we turn around our applications in, in around uh, four to six weeks from initial conversation to disbursement. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, our third criteria is that it has to be a discrete situation. So that means a one-time problem that can be solved with open road funding. So we don't really want to kick the can down the road, just buy a little, little extra time. We want to fully solve the problem at hand. Um, I like to say a half-solved problem is still a problem. Um, 
And then lastly, uh, we have our catalytic impact criteria. So we're looking for projects that have the potential to be system changing, either in design or scale. And that's really just kind of our funder preference there that unfortunately we don't have unlimited coffers. That's kind of how we've narrowed our, our strategy. Um, on the process side of things, um, we try to keep things as straightforward as possible, um, kind of to walk our talk, if you will. Um, the, the process starts with just a uh, initial email outreach um, at, through our info at email or through an introduction from another funder. Um, we jump on the phone, have an hour call to learn about the organization and what the roadblock is, um, and then if it makes sense to move to an application, um, we have just a three-page application where I give a bunch of feedback trying to make it as strong as possible. Um, and then we have a one-hour final call um, where we talk to the, the um, executive director about what's going on uh, and make a decision within a couple days after that. So like I said, all in all, usually between four to six weeks from initial um, outreach to disbursement, which, uh, you know, is, is not lightning fast, but but quite quick for the philanthropic sector. Hey, everybody. Rob here. Thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Show. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you were aware of a whole group of other interviews with fascinating guests that I've previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org, and there you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I think you'll really enjoy those interviews. Now, I also want to make sure you knew about a new feature. Um, we want to give you more content, and we'd like to get that information to you. And all you have to do is give us your email. When you go to that website, you can put your email address in that first box you'll see on the front page, and you'll be added to our monthly email update. In addition to some great content, you'll see the latest uh, podcast shows that will be actually sent right to your inbox. And that way, you'll never miss any of the great content on this show. The other thing I'll mention to you is if you have questions or comments or you'd like to be on the show, do not hesitate to email me. I'd love to hear from you. Just do that through our website, my email, rob at ccofpc.org. Well, thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Very helpful and a lot you offer, it looks like, which I'm very impressed with. Now, here's what's interesting. I think most of my nonprofit leaders will be hearing this and think they're very familiar with grants, but loans is a little different. So talk about the shift in your thinking from giving grants on the one hand to giving loans. Again, most nonprofits are accustomed to receiving grants and the process that is involved with that. Why have you made this shift? And maybe give some principles and practical ideas of how you've implemented this. Sure. Um, so we, we still are providing charitable grants, actually, um, at uh, greater levels every year we've been open. So right now we're putting about $2.5 million off the door in charitable grants. Um, we are constrained there that our maximum charitable grant size is around 100 k um, And so um, that, that was all going well and fine. But like I said, there were these kind of couple of issues that came up where we were like, huh, maybe this would be better structured as a loan. Um, and so I can give you a few examples of where we've worked with nonprofits where a loan did make more sense. Um, the first is with a legal aid organization based in the Bay Area. Um, they provide access to legal services um, for low-income populations with a goal of uh, fully kind of covering the geography. Um, and actually, some of the, the stats around access to legal aid and the link to crime is, is very interesting um, where uh, crime is significantly reduced when um, everybody has access to a 
lawyer. Um, and so they, uh, they got a contract from the city of San Francisco, um, which was great for them, a hundred thousand dollar contract. And unfortunately, it took them nine months to get registered as, uh, in their procurement system with the city. Um, and of course the contract started nine months earlier than they were registered. And so they were incurring costs on delivering on this contract well before they saw any cash um, that could go towards paying their staff or, or their office rent. Um, and so we provided a $100,000 loan um, that was uh, for the year that they had the um, the contract with the government um, so that they could, you know, take a breather, not focus all, all the time on uh, just getting this procurement contract signed up um, and actually focus on the hard work that they were doing. Um, that's one example. Um, another example that we see very often is, um, so uh, sometimes foundations change their grant cycles, and that could be for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, uh, it's been inconvenient to be making all these decisions in the first quarter of the year, so they want to change it to later in the year so they have a longer amount of time to figure out who they want to fund for the year. Totally fine. The problem is, is that in that switch year, organizations that have been relying on that money come in, you know, June 1st for the last five years. When you tell them that it's coming in November, there's the big scramble because, again, how do you keep paying your staff? Um, how do you keep the lights on, so to speak, when the cash just isn't there when you need it? Um, so we also made a, a $70,000 loan to a organization focusing on, on water and sanitation in Uganda when their largest funders shifted their uh, grant agreement start date from June to November. Um, and so when the, the grant came in in November, they repaid us with uh, the 70K. Um, the last example I'll share is uh, a pretty crazy one. Uh, we worked with a, a human rights organization that um, was working with a Pakistani nonprofit, and that nonprofit um, was paying them for their services. Um, for some reason, the Pakistani um, National Bank decided that they didn't want um, any payments going towards American nonprofits for a period of time. And so these guys were supposed to get $60,000 paid to them by this Pakistani nonprofit because they'd already done all the work. And the, the government actually held up that transfer. Um, and so we gave them a $60,000 loan to literally go into Pakistan and take the cash out in $10,000 increments over the next 12 months. Um, so these are just three examples of how we've used loans with nonprofits. Well, I'm going to be really curious to see what my listeners think about this, and I encourage them to check out all that you're doing, and we'll give a website link, of course, soon, uh, because I think this is going to stir a lot of conversation and some questions about how this works and if it's the right fit for them. Um, let's dive in. You've kind of mentioned this a little bit already, but perhaps you can speak a little bit more to um, knowing, again, this has not been a long-term thing yet, but so far, what have been the long-term results? Um, what is your data telling you about this approach? Is it working? Yeah. Um, so, you know, simply put, our data shows that there's a huge demand in the market for this kind of evidence by how quickly we hit this this 10 million. Um, it also shows that this kind of financing is possible in the social sector. Uh, so far, we've had 100% repayment, and organizations are able to keep projects on track while building their credit. Um, I think in the medium term, quite practically, we're hoping to keep a massive amount of impact on track. Um, and so far, that seems to be working. So 
the way we think about our impact is if we make a $100,000 loan to a million-dollar budget organization, we're keeping a million dollars of impact on track. Um, and the average kind of leverage that we're getting with all of our grants and loans is about 10x. Um, so with our $10 million in loans, we've already kept over $100 million worth of impact on track. Um, if Open Road Ventures then invest $50 million in loans over the next five years at the same leverage rate, we'll facilitate over half a billion dollars of impact. And that's really cool. Um, I think in the long term, um, there's also room in the market for more flexible financing. Um, I think, uh, you know, the impact investing ecosystem is certainly flourishing right now. Um, and organizations don't have a safety net. You know, there's no insurance for social impact. And so we're really hoping to build that net by providing this fast funding at critical moments so that organizations that are doing the hard work um, can keep creating that impact. I love it. Half a billion dollars invested, which is pretty impressive. And uh, it'll be very curious to see how that goes over time. And um, as you start reporting back with all these wonderful loans and, and what you're able to do in terms of just the spreading of your impact, that that's pretty impressive. Um, so, okay, philanthropy, fundraising, we've talked a lot about that on this on this show. My question to you on this is, is this a revolution, if you will, in philanthropy? Or is it simply a unique kind of to you? Is it a creative way, a niche, a funding way of uh, really getting necessary money to projects that would otherwise be derailed? I mean, talk about that. What, what's your sense of this? Yeah, I, I think this is a really exciting moment in philanthropy. Um, there are a lot of positive changes going on. Um, you know, some of the, the, the movements like trust-based philanthropy, DEI, grantee-centric philanthropy, they're all kind of rapidly expanding, and I think we're just trying to kind of uh, be a part of it with them and, and figure out how to maximize those finite resources that we have in the social sector. Um, given all that we're up against today, domestically, internationally, what can we do to ensure that real sustainable impact is being achieved? Uh, and I think the way that we've been approaching this collectively as a sector is to uh, try to integrate this common sense risk management practices into our work so that, like I mentioned earlier, 20% of our projects or 20% of our resources, if you want to look at it that way, aren't at risk of being derailed. Uh, so that when something does go wrong, we can ensure there's a safety net there so that impact stays on track. And, and for us, it really all boils down to transparency. And I, I do think there are all of these movements I mentioned are pushing towards greater transparency in the sector. Um, and that involves putting risk on the table and being honest about what could go wrong ahead of time instead of being, you know, overly optimistic and hoping for the best. All that said, uh, you know, would we like to see other funders adopt our model? Absolutely. Uh, we think there's a massive demand for contingency funding more uh, than one organization can, can handle, for sure. Um, and we think that uh, space can be filled by other organizations operating specifically um, uh, in certain sectors, but, but also more funders can develop their own internal contingency funds and practices. That would be the dream. 
I love it. I love it. Okay, so now let's talk to the skeptic a little bit. Someone who says, you know, they're used to the grant process. This loan idea is just different. Maybe they're not comfortable with it. Walk through somebody who's maybe skeptical and or just uncomfortable with this new way of funding their nonprofit organization. Why would they or why should they, from your perspective, not be afraid of kind of a new way of funding their work? Yeah, no, it's a great question and and one that we definitely confront um, when speaking to nonprofit leaders. Um, I think open road is a good in-between step, um, in-between excuse me, um, because, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, our goal is to maximize for impact. And so if something horrible happens to an organization and, and it fails, we're not going to be the ones knocking on the door acting as collector. Um, we are kind of an intermediary that can help build the, the training wheels for credit, if you will, that's a little less scary than a bank, um, and we're going to hold your hand all the way through it. And so if you're not comfortable with a loan, that's totally fine. I do think there are only specific circumstances that loans really uh, are required. So I, I totally agree that a lot of organizations should only be uh, fully grant funded, depending on what their project work is. But there are these kind of cash flow crunches, cash flow management issues where I think financing can be just another tool in the toolkit that can help nonprofit leaders better manage their organization. Well, this is great. Well, again, my listeners, I think are going to have a lot of questions. How can they find out a little bit more about you and Open Road Alliance? Sure. Um, well, first of all, we would love to hear from people. Um, we are at openroadalliance.org, um, and you can send an email to us at info at openroadalliance.org. Uh, we have a bunch of resources up on our website. Um, most recently, we just did a roadblock analysis that shows um, all of the roadblocks we've funded to date, uh, kind of highlighting what goes wrong in the social sector, and I'd, I'd recommend that one for, for a download. Well, good to know. Again, my guest today has been Caroline Brisson, Director of Social Investments for Open Road Alliance. And Open Road Alliance is a philanthropic initiative, and it offers fast funding to nonprofits and social enterprises who are facing unexpected roadblocks. Again, it made its original grant in 2012, and now it offers loans as well. And we mentioned earlier that uh, they're now just top 10 million in loans uh, given out to nonprofits and social entrepreneurs. So wonderful things. Again, Caroline, thank you so much for being on the show. My encouragement to my listeners, again, check out what they're doing. If you need some funding, if you've run again uh, across an unexpected roadblock, definitely check out what they're doing. It's good work. Caroline, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks so much, Rob. I wanted to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.